0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the 33 Fuel podcast. In today's episode, we are going deep on all things gut health, kombucha, and Team GB Slaying. Yes, that's right. It is an absolute triple whammy of delights coming up for you with Ross Austin. Uh, Ross Austin is a man who not only is dedicating his life to making excellent kombucha and helping the world improve their gut health, Thus, he is a font of knowledge on all of those subjects. Um, But formerly, in his athletic career, he was also for a spell on the Team GB bobsleigh squad. Um, So if you're ready to get into gut microbiome, how the way you were born or the drugs you take may positively or negatively impact your gut health, how that gut health can positively or negatively impact your health and performance, and how you can improve your chances of having a stronger, happier, healthier gut, and as such, a stronger, happier, healthier performance, well, funnily enough, you have come to exactly the right place. Your ears and mind are in for a treat. Um, So yes, Ross Austin coming right up in just another episode of what we like to do here at 33Fuel, delivering the finest in value to athletes everywhere. Tools, tricks, tips, and all sorts of other stuff to improve, upgrade performance and health day by day. We do it with all this sort of content that we share through our podcasts and our vlogs and out on our social channels, but we also do it in store at 33fuel.com, where you will find the finest natural sports nutrition known to man. So look, do check that out at some point, but not before you have checked out this excellent show with Ross Austin. Ross, thanks so much for coming on the show um, for this in-depth dive. Into all things kombucha.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me, Warren. Yeah, looking forward to this
0: one. Oh, me too. Because kombucha is something I'm aware of. Uh, Funnily enough, I have a bottle of yours right here, which has been a great, uh, great help. I've thoroughly enjoyed it anyway. But um, with dry January going on, uh, as opposed to the occasional beer of an evening every now and again, I've actually swapped it out for kombucha. Somehow it doesn't quite feel like a soft drink, but it's not an alcoholic drink. Either. It sort of fills the space. I've been enjoying it.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. There's a, there's a need for uh, kind of alternatives. Uh, as you know, one in five of us are now abstaining from alcohol, but uh, we need to get rid of those sugary soft drinks that hit our showers at the moment and come, come with something that's uh, a bit more pleasant and appealing and a bit more sophisticated. And kombucha seems to kind of fill that gap at the moment, which is, which is great.
0: Yeah, no, it, it, it certainly seems to. And, I mean, there's loads of things – uh, I've got questions on and I'm really looking forward to learning more about it from you because really, really my, my kombucha knowledge is very basic. But as someone who is not only brewing his own long term, but also building a kombucha business into the, into the bargain, um, I think you probably know an awful lot more than me. So let, let's kick off with the simplest question I think there might be about kombucha, <laughs> which is what is kombucha?
1: Uh, okay, so kombucha is, uh, we call it a fermented tea beverage. I know it sounds a bit weird, but we actually have a lot of fermented uh, foods and, and beverages. So wine, beer, cheese, uh, all fermented things. So what you do is typically start with a sweetened tea. So you make tea as you would uh, with a bit of sugar. Now that, that, is, that sugar is food for the symbiotic bacteria and yeast ultimately, and you you add that. So it propagates each and every batch as you produce more kombucha. So what happens is you add a a previous batch of uh, kombucha to a a newly brewed or freshly brewed tea, uh, and then you let that ferment for a number of days. Key to that is obviously temperature. Uh, They're like a nice warm environment because that keeps the yeast and um, bacteria active. That ultimately uh, metabolizes the sugars into acetic acids, uh, probiotics, rendering a low sugar drink. Ultimately, that can either be flavoured, um, so you can add the, the the product can go through secondary ferment, which I do with my beverages, or you can drink it as is. Ultimately, now the length of fermentation will dictate the acidity of that. So, the real hardcore kombucha guys uh, are happy to drink it like vinegar. Uh, in my opinion, fine if you enjoy that, but uh, if we're looking to challenge what's out there. It's got to be an enjoyable drink, uh, and therefore I'd probably bring it off a little bit higher, and therefore there will be a little bit more sugar in the beverage, but it just means it's an enjoyable um, drink in comparison to uh, drinking um, vinegar, but uh, everyone to their own, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I I did do for a long time uh, the apple cider vinegar shots in the morning, um, and I became pretty accustomed to that, just a sort of general <laughs> alkalizing sort of start to the day. Um, but with your kombucha, you're so saying in that kind of mid-range, there's, there's a hint of that flavor, but it, that sort of tends more towards you talk about the complexity of the flavor and the interest of the flavor, rather than going all the way through to hardcore vinegar. So on, on a kombucha flavor scale, presumably we could get something that literally is very vinegary, right the way through to something that almost might as well be coca-cola does it really occupy that sort of spread
1: yeah 100 percent. i mean ultimately uh there is a level of fermentation uh you can leave it for five days and go from there but it will be quite sweet ultimately so uh it, it is a fine balance of of length of time and then residual sugars remaining in that beverage so um i, I don't think we should kind of be at the upper end because really it doesn't doesn't show what kombucha is but letting that fermentation happen definitely is is where all the magic happens anyway because it takes time for bacteria to kind of propagate uh within the beverage so leaving it for that length of time to reduce that sugar content is 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 definitely the way forward
0: so we're probably on um a kind of health-based buzzword bingo uh for those who are not super familiar with the world of kombucha we brought up bacteria we brought up sugar we brought up acidity Um, these are all things that people might be wondering well how can this or how do these elements fit into something that is a you know a beneficial and potentially healthy drink that can be good for us or or something that can be a a sort of nutritional benefit Um, in terms of how do you how would you explain that to people how do those things balance that like I say the acidity uh, the sugar and the bacteria and, and how does that interplay make a, a good or a, a beneficial product
1: Yeah, i mean ultimately everyone goes oh there's sugar added but very much that is the food for the bacteria and yeast. so mm-hmm. it, it is there just to feed those guys and allow them to kind of propagate and be healthy um, so it is a low sugar drink ultimately but in terms of the acids um, as we know as, it, as you mentioned it, it's very beneficial to kind of um, digestion acidity crucial uh, for easing digestion absorbing nutrients uh, in your stomach we can talk about probiotics. Now, the jury's out about the probiotics within the beverages because there needs to be some more clinical research around whether it ends up in your stomach ultimately. But um, So there, there is some more work needed to be performed on the probiotics. I've actually seen kombucha brands add probiotics to some of their end beverages. There was one particular brand in, in South Africa that did this, which was quite interesting. Um, so it's it's quite what, that's one thing we need to be aware of is, is uh, some people say it's the miracle cure uh, but uh, and it's cured cancer and various other things. But mm, I would take that with a pinch of salt if I'm totally honest. But it supports the immune system, uh, has enzymes in and antioxidants ultimately. So it is a functional beverage, but um, it's not going to be your be all and end all. Uh, and it's not going to turn you into superhuman um, as some people sometimes kind of tout and think.
0: Well, I think it's, once things have been, uh, to stick with the uh, sort of brewing analogies, once things have been distilled all the way down to a Daily Mail headline, it either kills you or it saves your life. Now, the truth is rarely that simple, and it's a compounding of decisions that take your performance in one direction or or the other. And it feels to me like, uh, as an enjoyable soft drink, uh, kombucha can be the kind of thing that as long as you're getting the right quality can be something to add into your uh, routines or whatever that helps compound your decisions and your health and performance in a positive direction. But it's not going to do it all yeah. on its own.
1: 100%. It's, when, I, when I talk about kind of gut health, uh, it's it's a shotgun approach. So having many different things, uh, so a variety of fibres, fruits, vegetables, uh, fermented foods, so kimchi, sauerkraut, kefir, water kefir, kombucha, all of those things go a long way to kind of propagating your gut and ensuring it's a healthy microbiome. Uh, And the things that we do, so travel, medications we consume, uh, the water we drink, uh, all kind of play a vital role in in obviously the health of our microbiome. And that's something we all need to be aware of uh, as we kind of look at our lifestyle and zoom out. Ultimately, no one thing's ever going to Sort us out. we just have to look at it with um, various other things Uh, so look at the bigger picture rather than zoom in on one particular food or dietary practice.
0: Yeah so as a group for people who who are you know not or new to the sort of the concept of kombucha or or exactly what it might be doing um, we're gonna put it in that or am I right in thinking you you put it into that same class as things like you know all the other fermented foods your sauerkrauts and your kimchi and your so on which are things that can help you to have a a healthy gut microbiome. Yeah, definitely. That fits
1: exactly into that criteria for sure.
0: Okay, so here's here's something that's enjoyable, it's got an interesting flavor, um, and as long as you've made a reasonable buying choice, uh, or maybe even you brew your own, then at that point you've got something that you you can add to help towards that uh, improvement of the gut microbiome.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, there's obviously uh, things to be aware of when it comes to purchasing uh, kombucha, whether in the shops or various other places. I mean, obviously, making your home is, is the most convenient way of doing it. Believe me, it's like having a pet.
0: Because uh, so, <laughs> like, you're uh, saying you, it's, th- it's, it's actually alive. Like So you it grows, it's, it's alive, and you then use a portion of it to seed the next batch yeah i mean that, so that's I'm an actually, interesting process i don't fully understand which bits are alive or not like everything in the bottle or
1: i uh, know so um i've actually got a little jar here um of of a kombucha on the go at uh. the moment so uh, just to kind of give people a little insight into it so at the top we have uh, a scoby so that's a cellulose disc ultimately and that seeing as a hotel for the bacteria and yeast. And then that's the okay, kombucha. So on, and just for it. anyone
0: who's, who's only got this on the podcast, we've got a jar here full of yellowish liquid. Now at the top, a SCOBY. I've learned this through through you and another friend of ours who brews his own kombucha, SCOBY. What does that stand for?
1: So that stands for a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast ultimately. And, and that's what you can ut- utilize to kind of propagate the new batches. So you can take that particular disc and put it into a new batch, but also you need a proportion of the kombucha um, to go into the next batch ultimately um, to then make your new batch. So that's how you carry on. So that's how it propagates and grows. So every time you make a new batch, you actually get an additional film of uh, SCOBY on top. And now those can be utilized. Um, you can make jellies out of them, you can create jerky out of it, um, you can feed your dog. That's very nutritious for your plants. Um, I'm yet to try and eat it myself. I actually looked at making jellies out of it today with a bit of fruit few, few puree um, and maybe some gelatin or uh, agar um, if you're a vegan, of course. So um, those are things I've been looking at trying to experiment with. Yeah.
0: So you've, you've got all that. So you've, you've got the, the SCOBY element, which is kind of feeding it. Yeah. Um, you can use that from batch to batch. The that, That's where the life in the product is effectively. Um, and you, you said earlier that how, how you know, if you were buying kombucha, you might sort of spot better kombucha or worse kombucha. Is it like any food stuff or something, any food stuff that becomes commoditized where there are better versions and worse versions and maybe some that might over their claims or, or others that might hide their light under a bushel? How can how can your potential kombucha consumer uh, make a, a better choice of kombucha and, and not be sideswiped by marketing that may be hiding something little more than your average sugary soft drink?
1: Yeah, of course. So being a, a living product, uh, getting it uh, on the shelves obviously is 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 difficult because ultimately, if it's not treated appropriately, um, it could overcarbonate, exploding on the shelves, for example, and that's due to, due to the yeast content. And so. What they do with the beverage is either they will filter the yeast off. Now there's no problem with filtering yeast off because ultimately we have a lot of yeast within our diet, um, believe it or not. Um, But there's also, um, they uh, pasteurize the beverage, pretty much killing off everything. Uh, And that again makes it a shelf stable product. I've seen other brands kind of ferment for as long as possible, and then they'll chuck in some sweeteners on top of that, and that obviously uh, improves the vinegaryness uh, but ultimately um, i think they may have um, they may have pasteurized on top of that as well to remove the potential of it um, over in the bottle other things i've seen i'm trying to think i believe people have made a syrup so they've made a really concentrated version of a vinegar uh, and then they've diluted it down ultimately and, and bottled and canned that up so there are some ways and means of people commercializing this product so not every one kombucha is made equally i'm afraid
0: and and so just to check um the idea of pasteurization obviously that that's helped us a lot with um a lot of foods a lot of illnesses various other things but you have something that is alive uh presumably you're effectively going to kill everything that's alive by pasteurizing
1: you do i'm afraid yeah and i mean obviously it's helped us as a as a as a life form, uh, in controlling certain things, but I think that's where we've fallen down with our diet. Is not everything needs to be as clean as possible? Um, we need to have uh, living things in our food uh, because they do benefit us, believe it or not.
0: Mm. And, and the you also then talk about that shelf stability and also the I mean something we've seen so much in our own journey through the world of sports nutrition is um, it, it's not it's not so hard as in, in producing a product to get the macronutrients into the right ballpark that you want in terms of your carbs, fats and proteins but particularly when you start using uh, more plant-based or more natural ingredients you can lose out on flavour and texture um, and that's where often or you see it in the free from aisle the whole time with your gluten freeze and your sugar freeze well, something came out but the product didn't taste good, look good or feel good so in went stabilizers, preservatives and sweeteners, which in turn cause a lot of damage to the body and your overall health and performance. And one of the big areas those things ironically impact is the gut. And they do it in a negative way. So potentially, and I'm not saying anyone's doing this because I don't know the market well enough, but potentially you could have a kombucha that had been pasteurized and had flavorings and preservatives added to it that was sold as something that may benefit your gut because you have the concept that kombucha as a product does that um which actually does quite the opposite because the live elements been killed and the sweeteners and the other stuff are actually going to damage your gut so um there's a conspiracy theory in a box for anyone who wants to run with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, definitely uh,
1: we also kind of struggle when when it comes to food and and retailers and and uh the the problem with shelf life ultimately is um, retailers expect a minimum of, say, six or 12 months. And therefore, food producers may uh, have started off with the, the right intentions at, right at the beginning. But then um, as they try and grow and uh, as a business, their hand is almost forced to kind of then adapt and change the beverage to suit the retailers, um, which is a real shame. And I think we really need to review the whole system and understand that um, if we want better, fresher food, um, we're going to have shorter shelf lives and various other things like that so we we need to come round to that uh, that whole subject and and deal with it appropriately
0: i I love that point because it it 's a very interesting one you raised there that a product can become successful it moves into the traditional retail space, and then those retailers have certain conditions that they require in order to be able to operate at their scale you know you don't you don't pop into your local Sainsbury's with 10 bottles of kombucha once a week you send 50,000 by pallet to a distribution center and over the year out they go Um, clearly that does not allow for a, a truly functional kombucha to thrive in that environment it's kind of got to be knocked back to nothing in order for it to to stay on the shelf as someone who's you know with your uh kombucha business honora which we'll we'll chat about in a little bit how do you see being able to effect help or drive that change within that space in order that people can get you know a quality kombucha but also do so do it with a degree of convenience
1: yeah, I suppose um, for me it, it's scaling my business to a size. So we're really small at the moment, um, which is which is lovely. But ultimately, to get in front of more people, people, I need to be producing more. So looking at kind of the delivery. Um, so we do sell direct to consumer. Currently, just supporting some of the um, smaller cafes, bars, and independent health stores here within the Bath and Bristol area. Hopefully, that um, grows with time. I know some of the large retailers are are happy and and support regional brands um, where they don't have the pressure to sell x amount per month or per week and that's where I hope we would go with food but um, unfortunately a lot of the buyers are looking at what can you make me ultimately and again it's that whole uh, discussion around um, food and and turnover and, and those sorts of things so uh, there's, there's also ways of kind of reviewing, I suppose, how I produce. So some of the things I mentioned, yeast is, 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 is not something that's imperative to the beverage, but maybe filtering off the yeast because the yeast is, is what actually carbonates um, and causes, causes the alcohol. So if you've got too much sugar and too much yeast in the beverage, you can actually exceed the alcohol content um, of a soft drink, and therefore you have a hard kombucha. Now, there is hard kombucha. Um, there are some brands experimenting within the UK. It's massive in the States, so it's probably a month of time before it gets over here in terms of uh, obviously enjoying um, kind of a 4% kombucha with the benefits that it, it provides as well.
0: And in terms of a, a soft kombucha, which I'm assuming, so I have one of yours here, which is, uh, is there any alcohol in this? right so
1: it's below the 0.5 percent so very trace levels ultimately right. and that's how a, a soft drink is defined it can't be above that
0: right okay so that's the same as like a can of shandy bass or something that you might have had as a kid or or whatever
1: yes yeah really small amounts ultimately
0: okay okay well we'll uh we'll, we'll keep that off the uh absolute hardcore dry january uh faction then because yeah. we may have uh may have just edged me over a fraction, but it, it, it oh, feels so good. <laughs> now, looking at it here, one thing, um, clear bottle, love that. Yeah. And um, similar to what we've done with uh, things like our energy gels at 33 Fuel, like we're proud of what's in it. We want people to see it. We're not about hiding it. But if you can see kombucha, you can see bits floating in it that looks like they got just uh, swept up off the floor. Um True. Now, I was aware of this, and I understood it. But for the people who don't, you've got to drink. It's got bits floating in it. They're normal. Um, over to you. Please explain.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of just some yeast, yeast strands developed in the drink once it's bottled. And you will sometimes actually get miniature scobies in the bottle form as well. So um, people can either filter those off um, if they so please or just enjoy them as part of the beverage. Just expect it. that is a real authentic raw kombucha at the end of the day.
0: So that's that's a sign of the stuff being real and not pasteurized back to nothing. Um, is that it
1: actually has some life in it yes no certainly so you should see little strands uh, sediment in the bottom of the bottle those sorts of things now there's nothing wrong with that Um, it's not going to kill you I know it is off-putting because we typically are used to kind of clear beers clear wines um, all those sorts of things and that's typically because findings are utilized in order to provide that clarity believe it or not wines produce cloudy uh, but because of consumer pressure we want that clear wine. So therefore, they've used findings and made it clear. I think bring back cloudy wine. I think there's definitely an area for that.
0: Well, that that's a great one. Maybe the, the cloudy wine, the hard kombucha, there's a, there's a whole new direction we could be taking this.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Now, in, in terms of um, getting it into the body, um, we've talked about how the, the gut microbiome is important, how it's affected, how... Kombucha is one of those foods, like the other fermented foods, that can help that gut microbiome. I'm sure people have come across that concept before, but could you just talk a little bit about why gut health is important and kind of what good gut health looks like and feels like compared to, you know, something that's not quite working properly?
1: Sure. Oh, man. Yeah, there's so much research coming about out about the gut microbiome now. We, we are in its infancy, but it's said to be kind of your second brain ultimately. So you, you've got to really look after it. And it's affected by so many different things, so medication, how you were born, say the water that we drink. Um, now, in terms of um, balance, it's all about having that kind of shotgun approach, so many different things within your food and beverages. Um, and it's said to be around two kgs worth of bacteria in your stomach, which is, which is impressive. And it eats a 10th of your food. So in 10, in ten meals, uh, if you have 10 meals a day, um, some people may do, um, one would be just for your bacteria. So there's trillions of cells in our kind of stomach. Um, and, and the feedback loop between obviously your brain and, and gut um, is is what, is what they're looking into. And they're saying that an imbalance of certain bacteria may lead to more weight gain because ultimately we may be absorbing more nutrients. And we require more energy. Um, there's some research that's going on about um, uh, kind of obesity and the links to uh, inflammatory response diseases. For me, I suppose a healthy healthy microbiome. Um, I don't know. I I don't know how to put it, but ultimately I feel fresh in the morning. Um, I don't really have any upset stomach. Um, they say immunity. Uh, 70% of your immunity is found in your gut, and also um, there's also research that's connecting uh, your gut to your um, serotonin. So 90% of serotonin is produced in your gut. So it's the happy, kind of happy hormone, ultimately. So there's so many things coming out about having a healthy gut. So we really need to be in tune of every morsel we're putting into our body, how we're surrounding ourselves. Uh, and for me, health is not that single pillar of, yes, the food we eat is the exercise, and various other things and I know me and you have spoken at length about those sorts of things so it's it's all encompassing it's it's, it's just a phenomenal area um, and I really look forward to to what else comes up within this space
0: it's it's a fascinating space and I, I'm really interested in the the connection between you know like that second brain idea the connection between the gut and and the brain but also um from athletes we've been working with and things as well to see that, with certain uh, kind of mainstream supplements, there can be ingredients which may negatively impact gut health, which beyond its digestion and other things, may also have a knock on effect with uh, mood uh, mm-hmm. and potentially depression and i don 't think anyone could ever say, Well, if you eat sweeteners you 're going to get depressed it 's a hundred percent connection but There is a link there. Therefore, if you could remove those and improve that gut health, you have an opportunity to improve mood. You have an opportunity to improve performance. Digestion goes with that. Sleep, it all interplays. Um, But to go back to a couple of your early points, you you mentioned that the way you are born can affect it, the way uh, and medication can affect it. Now, am I right in thinking there that in, in terms of birth, it is if you were born by cesarean section, you will not have got certain bacteria from your mother as you were leaving her body. And actually that coating of bacteria is an initial sort of kickstarter for the human immune system.
1: Correct, yeah. So you ultimately wouldn't have gone through the birth canal. Uh, and I've actually heard some doctors, if you are born by C-section, them actually swabbing the baby to try and encourage that bacteria back into the, uh, into the, into the birth of the baby and, and so that the population of the microbiome can initiate Uh, from birth so so that's one as you mentioned medication we too too easily reach for a pill um in my opinion we have gone down that route i've got a sore head i'll have a painkiller so non-steroidal anti-inflammatories is something we need to be aware of and 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 if you have a little bit of a headache maybe it's because you haven't had a drink um so maybe have one of those and just bide your time but if it is obviously persistent and you can't handle it then i you can then obviously turn to medication, but other things like um, uh, I've gone blank. Um, When you prescribe medication from doctors, um, again, you go to them with an ailment. Um, If you've got a a little cold, try and ride it out, eat some good food, get some rest, ultimately, rather than going to them and say, can you give me a pill to get better? Because your body is amazing at healing itself at the end of the day. So, Bearing in mind that those antibacterial pills will kill everything in your stomach, and in some cases, it will take two years to repopulate your gut as a result of that one dose of um, of medication, which is incredible.
0: So, is that with things like, um, in terms of the real, uh, literally a gut bomb, something that you know we, we want to target one? strand of illness inside the body but in fact we're going to wipe out all the gut bacteria to do it it's non-discriminatory is that sort of like a heavy course of antibiotics or something that would do that as opposed to a couple of ibuprofen yeah
1: more so antibiotics would be one because they can't pick and choose who they kind of take out so they pretty much it's a blanket kind of that's that's uh, reduce or kind of um kill off whatever's in your body uh, and therefore uh, you lose everything that's in there uh, as a result.
0: And so in, in that situation, if anyone were out there you know, struggling with immune function or anything and maybe had a, a serious illness or something that had genuinely required a course of antibiotics within the last couple of years, if they were getting more bugs, it may not be indicative of anything serious other than the fact that the gut microbiome needs to be built back up because it's literally been taken out completely.
1: Yeah. So the immunity suppressed as a result. uh, And so they just need to take some time out and and eat better food, exercise, and just kind of buy their time to kind of build that up because it takes a while, unfortunately. And and therefore, that's why we have to look after it.
0: And now you mentioned ibuprofen as well. And I mean, well, uh, that's what I'm taking by non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. Are there any other drugs you put in that class specifically? Or is it primarily ibuprofen?
1: Uh, I mean I know from a sporting context sometimes athletes rely too much on non-steroidal anti-inflammatories but um, uh, I think at the moment I wouldn't wouldn't want to say but I mean just in general I think the pill popping culture that we seem to be going towards is, is something I'm a bit worried about and something we should try and move away from for sure. I mean food is our medicine at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, food food, and sleep and, you know, social, socializing with people and spending time together, getting some good fresh air, all of those things compound, and those are things you, you can't get into uh, into a pill. Um, so for you, I mean, you, you've got a broad background, right? You've got a broad <laughs> yeah. sporting background, you've got a broad professional background. Um, give us a little hop, skip and a jump through that, you know, but particularly on the sporting side as well, and, and what brings you to um, thinking one day, do you know what? I like kombucha so much. I'm going to not just brew my own. I'm going to brew my own and I'm going to start selling it to people because that, that's yeah, a sure. leap that most people don't make.
1: <laughs> yeah, sucker for a challenge. Uh, I know that feeling. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, uh, let's see. Kind of sporting career. I've been fortunate to play cricket for Malawi as a youngster. Uh, I represented Tina County Rugby here in East Midlands, so within the UK Ahead uh, of the Pouching Olympics, I was drafted into the GB Bobsleigh uh, Development Squad. Unfortunately, didn't make or get my seat in that squad, but uh, just I uh, was plagued with injury, but uh, really passionate about sports and nutrition and well-being, and I studied sports and exercise science at Bedfordshire University. Straight out of uni, I was a graduate scientist uh, looking at um, sweat and saliva, so hydration um, kind of protocols and salivary analysis, so estradiol testosterone, cortisol, IGA, those sorts of things, to obviously map training protocols and ensuring that individuals are recovering and not under immune stress and those sorts of things. So really fascinating work. That that particular laboratory also um, carried out testing for prohibited substances in supplements. So. There's the curse that inadvertent doping happens to, to athletes that are not aware of what's in their products and they can fail a drug test unbeknown to them by consuming a steroid or stimulant within their, within their products. And that occurs because what happens is, uh, the industry in general is served by third party manufacturers and their poor quality control may lead to cross contamination. So just a general individual may not, um, not held to stringent rules as athletes are. Uh, And so we don't need to necessarily worry too much about a contaminated product. But athletes obviously are held up to stringent rules and therefore need to be aware of that. So I was working in the laboratory as a scientist. So I was then delving into analytical chemistry, forensic based science, which is way over my head uh, in terms of anatomy and physiology. But I I checked myself at it and, and understood developing methods to detect certain drugs. Um, and I seconded to uh, a particular part of the laboratory that looked at drug development services, so um, looking at developing medication, uh, which was all fascinating stuff. And then I was um, kind of realized I couldn't progress within the laboratory and, and decided to kind of go on to the more business side of things. And therefore, um, kind of looked after UK, Europe, South Africa, and India. And I was all about educating the stakeholders, so U- um, national anti doping organizations, athletes brands about our services and uh, providing that quality assurance that athletes and consumers were starting to look for and so looked after that but in that interim i also studied performance nutrition um because ultimately uh, we are what we eat and i was just fascinated at at the appropriate use of nutrition to bolster our performance and our day-to-day living so a whole lot of things happened um You can delve into kind of even doing some modeling and acting on the side uh, throughout that process, which is bizarre, but, um, and, and exciting. Just never box me up. I'm willing to give anything a go. And, and yeah. So when it came to kombucha, my job fortunately sent me to America and I, I discovered it out there. It's absolutely massive. I mean, you can go to kombucha tap rooms where a particular brand will have multiple taps of their products. Uh, you can go to a, a, a tap room that has many different brands, and it's it's huge uh, over there, and absolutely loved it. I discovered it in South Africa as well, uh, again traveling with work, and then over in Australia. Now I was wondering what we're doing in the UK because uh, really enjoyed the drink and the properties that it was was providing. Looked a little bit more into it. Now Henora was founded for about a year, and
0: uh, out of fear, Honora I just being the name of your company. Just-
1: Yes, yeah, Honora Health, ultimately. So I had this brand. I really was interested in, in trying to impact people positively through nutrition and well-being. And Honora stands, well, comes from the Maori term Haora, uh, which means spiritual, mental, and physical well-being. So uh, ultimately, for me, health is all-encompassing. It's not only what you feed yourself, it's how you train, it's who you surround yourself with, it's how you connect with nature. Um, we can't treat health in, in one individual pillar, we've got to treat it wholesomely and so that's where Hinora kind of um, was born and um, I don't know I was like okay well I actually wanted to do a creative plant-based protein financially things didn't stack up but I thought what about kombucha and uh, kind of the rest is history so I started off in these small jars ultimately so uh, kind of experimenting with different sugars different teas uh, the first few batches were absolutely horrendous. My friends and family were very, very polite, and let's say I took it to a couple of local retailers, and no wonder they turned their nose up at it. But I persevered and I found my groove uh, in terms of a combination of the green and white tea, a a, a particular sugar, ultimately, so Demerara sugar. and um, yeah, kind of launched in April uh, two thousand and eighteen. I sold out at that event with what I had. So I was like, oh, I need to make some more because obviously people are enjoying this. And and gradually I've kind of grown organically, which is quite nice. So we've recently bought bought a property. It houses a garage, which is now my microbrewery. So kind of currently fitting it out with a fermentation chamber to maintain temperature for the kombucha. And I've got a little bottling aid now because previously things were just uh, a jar and funnel uh, and then a siphon, but uh, yeah, so it's been quite a journey. And for me, yeah, just really enjoyed it, and I've now added another fermented beverage to it. So instead of um, kombucha, which obviously is really enjoyable for some people, the acetic acid undertone not everyone gets on with, um, so that's the vinegerness that is associated with the beverage. There's a, an alternative called water kefir, so very similar in process. Again, a symbiotic cultural bacteria and yeast ferments a sugary liquid uh, into a, a low sugar drink and that's then flavored with various things as, as you so wish um, and yeah that doesn't necessarily have the acetic acid undertone um, but it is quite a volatile drink when it comes to trying to bottle that and manage the carbonation so that's a learning experience for me at the moment um, so that's a whistle-stop tour of my career.
0: <laughs> so that is literally quite the whistle-stop tour around your career. Obviously, we've not only circumnavigated the globe, we've dropped in a bit of county rugby, we've dropped in some Team GB slang, we've got nutritional qualifications, you've been in a lab, you've been testing drugs. Um, and right the way through all of that, you're now in the garage doing kombucha as well. So I think there's a huge amount of experience that's clearly gone into bringing you to where you are today, but also there must be a lot of passion, I'm guessing, because I get the impression, correct me if I'm wrong, that brewing kombucha, let alone doing it at any sort of scale, um, is not the kind of thing you just do for 15 minutes in the garage on a weekend.
1: No, yeah. I mean, ultimately, if you want to get into kombucha, highly recommend it, but it is a probably a job for life where you'll be looking after a pet, um, as mentioned a little bit earlier. But <clears throat> So when I was when I was traveling the world and I was very fortunate to do so, uh, I was looking at kind of timing my ferments between international travels and those sorts of things. So it's pretty intense, and I have a very understanding wife because away for that time, coming back and then uh, doing stuff in the evenings and weekends, obviously attending markets and shows just to raise awareness of of the brand and the benefits of the drink itself. So it's a really it's been really intense, but I've absolutely loved the fact that. I have to, the ability to positively influence individuals that are willing to listen to me, that are inquisitive and willing to try new things because I know sometimes they read fermented tea and they turn their nose up at it straight away and don't even give it a chance. So um, I, I'm very thankful for everyone that has given me a chance and, and have come on me, uh, will come with me on the on the ride so far. And I look forward to kind of growing uh, a little bit um as as things go by, because I've now obviously invested in a bit more equipment, which means I can I can make a bit more, and therefore I can uh, get it out to a few more uh, outlets and a few more people, which is which is really exciting.
0: And on the sort of just to sort of close up on on the general side of kombucha, what are when when people encounter it for the first time, what are the sort of most common um, either positive reactions or uh, questions or surprises that, or, or, or negative reactions that people have to the, the world of kombucha when they meet it for the first time. I'm kind of thinking of a grown-up version of the YouTube videos, you know, um, a toddler drinks kombucha for the first time, you know, that sort of thing.
1: <laughs> uh, there's been some interesting reactions. Uh, and what most people like to do is smell it. No, it doesn't have the most pleasant smell. And, and whenever someone does smell it, um, I, uh, I reckon I go, Honestly, it doesn't smell as bad. It doesn't taste as bad as it smells uh, kind of thing. The other thing that I've seen um, in the old kombucha face, because not everyone is expecting it to be a little bit tart. And so they screw up their face like they have drunk some vinegar uh, to the extent that people have said, Oh, I've nearly spat it in your face, which uh, kind of <laughs> does hurt a little bit. Uh, but you've got to understand this. It's not going to be for everyone uh, like certain bits of food aren't for everyone ultimately spices herbs all those sorts of things not everyone gets on with them so it is what it is so if you don't enjoy kombucha that's fine just find alternative things to kind of fill that void and and that that help with with the gut health and and give you a healthy lifestyle
0: and just just to close up i think on that sort of um if you were to outline a a basic prescription uh and i know we, we realize very much everyone's different uh, but yeah. a basic prescription for a healthy gut. What, what would be the cornerstones that you would look to put in place for someone or, or that you put in place in your daily life yourself?
1: Sure. I mean, so pre and probiotics are key. So ultimately, fiber is a very important thing to kind of feed your already propagated gut. So that is the bacterial feed on, on, the, on the prebiotic fiber. So things like inulin, uh, chicory root, onions, garlic, um, it, indigestible uh, fiber is, is essential to kind of feed your, your, your bacteria. And then, and then you're looking at probiotics to propagate your gut. So various things like yogurt, um, kefir, sauerkraut, kimchi. Uh, ultimately, just having a wide variety of foods uh, in your daily kind of diet um, is, is essential. So when you're looking at fiber, it's actually said that a minimum of 30 grams of fiber per day is essential. Um, So look to increase that by maybe having some seeds on salads, maybe looking at getting some inulin. I believe you can get some inulin syrup and you can either put that on some granola. So granola is a very good um, kind of start to your day. Obviously be aware of of the protein content there uh, ultimately, but um, um, seeds, granola, um, just going to go back to trying to make your own food. So granola is really easy to make, make up your own um, at home. And even raw muesli, um, there's loads of different recipes. But just kind of get in the kitchen, get experimenting, get excited about eating good quality food again. Um, I know convenience is a big thing. And hopefully as the time progresses, we will become a bit more convenient. Um, but um, but yeah, those are kind of my take-home points, I suppose.
0: I like it. And I think uh, certainly Honora may become a little more convenient, and I certainly hope it becomes uh, ever bigger by the, by the month and the year. Um, but it, with, with you doing it, I don't see it getting compromised along the way um, in terms of uh, walking into Tesco in five years, picking up a bottle of Honora and discovering that it's a, a load of pasteurized flavored <laughs> stuff.
1: No, Yeah, there's a lot of integrity that sits behind me ultimately, and I want to be very transparent with my consumer base as well.
0: that's the nice thing about being able to do something for yourself right you know you literally are in the driving seat there you you decide what the house is like and you build it
1: nice for sure Um, which is great
0: Ross look thanks so much for for coming on Uh, and I I have got through my bottle of kombucha which I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed again uh, as we've gone through this chat tonight so if people wanted to Check out more about your stuff or learn more about your kombucha, other kombuchas. Where are the best places they can uh, find you and Honora and any other resources you might recommend?
1: Uh, yeah, so we're all on kind of the social media platforms, so Instagram, uh, Twitter and Facebook. And those handles are Honora Health. Uh, there is a website, so www.hanorahealth.co.uk. That's ultimately the brand. So within that, you'll find raw chocolate orange bites, uh, water kefir and kombucha. And then, <clears throat> uh, but yeah, those, that's where, that's where you'll find, find me.
0: Nice. Now just, just one last thing, because I'm fascinated by, I know we've touched on this, but, uh, given the strong or almost entire athletic bias of anyone, uh, out there listening to us in the audience, um, team GB bobslaying, this is, <laughs> let's call this the postscript, right? Um, <laughs> You trained with them for two years, uh, and you said that the the physicality of it was something else. I wonder if you just uh, give us a little bit of uh, bit of flesh on those bones.
1: Oh my goodness! Uh, so what a what an amazing kind of journey that was. So <clears throat> me being me, kind of actually wanted to try out skeleton to begin with, and um, and is that, to is tweet that the it
0: face down, chin on the ice, hands behind your back, like tea tray job.
1: That's the one. Yeah, I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. So um, I was talking about, oh, imagine how cool it would be to go to the Olympics and represent your country with a colleague in the car. And fortunate uh, with the job, I got to meet um, the lady that works at the injured rehabilitation unit, unit at Bishop Abbey, and I knew she looked after sliding sports. So I tweeted her saying, really keen to try out some skeleton, can, can recommend anything. She said, like, oh, you're a bit too big for skeleton. Maybe try out bobsleigh. Now, this was on a Wednesday I found myself at Bath University on Saturday uh, because she copied in uh, British bobsleigh. Uh, one of the one of the pilots uh, at the time, John Jackson, and uh, bobsleigh came back to me and said, "If you complete these forms, come along to open trials in Bath." So a few days later, found myself at Bath University, took part in these trials, met the performance criteria. Um, not not quite uh, where they wanted me, but they could see the potential in me in terms of my frame, my power and speed. And so they said, right, you're in the development squad. And I spent time surrounded by these extremely athletic individuals. I mean, um, we're talking kind of 100 kg guys that can shift a lot of iron in the gym, but also kind of cover 60 meters in kind of six seconds. They were unbelievably powerful. and And so I went from a very... I suppose bodybuilding esque type of training so 5 day split because at the time I was actually trying to get onto men's health and those sorts of things so my body was very um, it wasn't as coordinated and and as a result and that's why I highly recommend do not train in that sort of uh, style of training do very much functional training um I exposed myself to kind of different loads that it wasn't used to so chasing or hitting a 200 kg sled for example and then chasing it down a down a a hill kind of really overextends the hamstring and that's where i struggled was my hamstring strength was the was the was the crutch of it all it it, i had almost chronic issues with it i tore it twice and then i had really major hip issues um because of stability with core and stuff like that so um due to that unfortunately i kind of gave it my best i kind of took on a speed coach, so worked with Marlon Devonish for, for, for the two years, which, again, was incredible, such a humble bloke. Um, I took on a personal physio and uh, a strength and conditioning coach, a coach, and this was all out of my own pocket um, because, obviously, if you're a funded athlete, you had to meet a certain criteria. I didn't, and therefore had to, I threw everything I could at it because I didn't want to have that regret of what if. So I gave it a go. I didn't get there, but I had an incredible journey along the way.
0: That That's amazing, uh, to be able to go that deep into something at that level, um, you know, the the coaches, the people you had around you, the athletes you working with, I'm just simply saying 100kg guys who not only are very strong underweight in the gym, but also then go and put in a six second, 60 meter sprint, um, that really puts... A huge pressure and load on the body, but to have gone that deep and to have given it, like you said, given it everything and come out the other side, okay, it would have been even greater if there was a fairy tale ending and off you go to the Olympics. But clearly, you found your pinnacle there. And the Olympics would have really been, you know, that, that, that's a secondary thing. Uh, so so I say it sounds like you enjoyed the journey, did something yeah. unique. And at the same time, uh, found a new level for yourself while you were there.
1: Definitely. But I'm always willing to push that envelope a little bit higher. So I'm looking for the next challenge, I suppose. So watch the space.
0: Yeah. Next Olympics. (laughs) Maybe ice skating. How about that? Let's just throw that out there.
1: Or a bit of curling. I don't know.
0: (laughs) Curling. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm going to put curling out there with golf. Um, I think that's something we can all do when we're older. Bowls. I'm sure it'd be great, but you know, while the body works, let's do something a bit more intense. True, true. Ross, <laughs> well, so that's brilliant. Thanks very much. Great catching up with you. And um, yeah, for anyone who wants to check out Hanora and any other stuff, all the links will be in the show notes below.
1: Amazing. Thanks so much, Warren. And uh, yeah, it's been really enjoyable conversation this evening.
0: There we have it, folks. Ross Austin, give that man a great big hand. Uh, If you're ready for some kombucha, do go and check out Ross's stuff at Honora. If you're ready for Team GB bobsled, well, get yourself down to Bath University. You better be strong, you better be fast, and uh, if I'm honest, you better be ready to get injured. But isn't that the way with all of the best things in life? If you're going to push yourself, you're going to fall over the edge occasionally. But don't worry, if you need fuel to power you through your next big challenge, check us out, 33fuel.com, the best natural sports nutrition you will find. And whatever you do, don't miss our next episode. We will have a constant flow coming up of more people who can give you better tools to take your performance, your mindset, your training, your rehab, everything to the next level. So look, if you've enjoyed the show, please do let us know, share in the comments below. You can click through and find out all about us in the links below as well. And look forward very much to catching you on the next one. Thanks for joining.